Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today is the first time we're talking about a topic that impacts so many midlife women and older, and sometimes younger women too, and that's breast cancer. And so I'm delighted to have somebody very special to join me. She's herself a stage three cancer survivor, a cancer advocate, a patient leader, an author, and a social entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Grace B. Charrier. Thank you so, so much for having me, Clarissa. I'm so honored to be here. Well, I'm so delighted because I know that you have been incredibly busy last month with breast cancer awareness and really out there and also launching a new book, which is wonderful. So I'm so grateful and so delighted that you're here. To start with, Grace, could you share a little of your own story of how you came beyond being a cancer survivor to be such a passionate advocate for others? Thank you so much. Um, beautiful question. Well, my personal experience with breast cancer actually altered my path, my career path. Um, originally, I was a businesswoman. Um, I was a government contractor. But my personal experience with breast cancer, you know, altered my career path where I um, discovered my passion for uh, patient advocacy and the need for patient navigators. As you had uh, said in your introduction, yes, I am a stage three breast cancer survivor, um, three years in remission, actually considered a newbie, <laughs> but it feels as if I've been in this space for eons, you know. A terrible fall in my bathroom led to my cancer diagnosis and subsequent uh, rigorous cancer interventions, which consisted of chemotherapy and mastectomy and radiation. I had no symptoms whatsoever to warrant the fear of a breast cancer diagnosis or ill health whatsoever. So unfortunately, during this long and, um, what should I say, life-altering period, 
I watched other breast cancer patients with stage one and two cancer diagnosis. One of these people was actually a close friend. We were actually going through the same issues at the same time. They lost their lives, but not as a result of the disease itself, but from the anxieties of of not being able to access enough cancer awareness information, not being able to access cancer services, not being able to afford treatment, not having uh, medical insurance to cover the necessary intervention. So, so much, you know, a lot of these things that come with fighting cancer. So it was obvious at that time that um, there was no community. And so that was that therein lay my sense of urgency, I should say, to fill in the gap by being a, a patient advocate. That's wonderful. I mean, often when we think of it, and especially those of us who are listeners in places like Australia and Europe, our health systems just pick up a lot of that. And obviously, the subsequent survival rates are very high. But, you know, you make a valid point in the US where you live, it is down to your health insurance. And of course, in many parts of the world, Breast cancer is still a death sentence, isn't it? Absolutely, especially I am African and a lot of my friends, colleagues, um, male and female who have also or had also been in the past diagnosed by uh, with uh, diagnosed with breast cancer have not lived to see the day because you know uh, the healthcare systems in Africa even data showing who is affected or not by any chronic illness or whatever, not just cancer. They are unable to access these uh, treatments. So that is actually one of the reasons that I'm really, really concerned that there should be, you know, um, affordable health care um, where I come from or wherever I am. Also, even in America, we have disparities. If these things are taken care of, I think mortality rates actually would, wouldn't would uh, be. No, and I think we, we see that. I understand because I have many friends who live, for example, in Australia and New Zealand. If it's caught relatively early, I mean, they're talking about 94% survival rates. And I, and I have a friend who was actually stage four and she is alive and has is in remission now, which is absolutely incredible. But you're oh, right, Grace. I know. Terrible, terrible. She had a terrible time with problems of not healing her, and they weren't sure whether they could go to the chemo and radiotherapy because of those issues. But she has turned the corner, and that is because the healthcare system is set up to support that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, when there has to be some light at the end of the tunnel, even when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, you have to be helped out of the tunnel, right? And the healthcare system is one of those, is the basic factor that enables us as patients come out of that, that uh, period. It could be a year or two, but it's like forever. Um, you never even know, like you rightly said, um, uh, the word cancer is synonymous with a death, with a death sentence. So you're battling um, 
trying to get access to healthcare services and you're also thinking, is it worth it? Am I going to live? So these are things that really affects us and our caregivers. They do. And I think you've brought a big point there in Grace, because it becomes for everybody, isn't it? It's also our caregivers that go with us on this journey. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But beyond the diagnosis and treatment, there are some other factors, aren't there, that make a big difference. And I know that you talk a lot about the importance of your mind and your mindset in this space. Tell me a little bit more about that for you and what you also help others to achieve in this space. Thank you, Clarissa. Yes, I always harp on the fact that... um, Whatever we face in life, it's not just um, breast cancer or prostate cancer or whatever. It could be, what should I say, a separation from a loved one. It could be grief or whatever. Our mind is very important um, during these, um, what should I say, challenging times because the mind is is the man, as we all know. And um, if we allow ourselves to be caught up in all the muddle that goes on, because the brain, the mind is, 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 is muddled, right? It's, it's, it's up to us to, even when you see the picture of the brain, it's all muddled up. So we need to look inwards that what I harp, in, harp on is to look inwards. And first of all, while with with a condition such as cancer, for example, which I had to face, the first thing I had to do was to accept that I had this. You know, a lot of people are in denial. A lot of people are even, you know, they know that there's something wrong, but they're in denial. They refuse to face it. And many go untreated, you know, even where even if they're in a in in an environment where the healthcare system is great, but it's up to them to say, "Listen, like for me, oh yeah, I got this. Okay, fine. So how am I going to deal with this?" And um, instead of dwelling, I know it's easier said than done because I'm still trying to get there. I had to be mentally resilient and being you know, mentally resilient. It's, it's, resilience is like a muscle. You have to work at it. You know, you can't just get up today and say I'm mentally resilient. No, you have to be pushed to the very end. Um, you snap back like the rubber band and push to the very end and snap back. That is how come you know you're getting to that um, point where, okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not even 60%, but I know that um, since I've accepted it, I'm ready to face the next steps. So what I usually tell my, when I'm asked to come speak at um, uh, webinars and interviews and things like that is, first of all, accept that this has happened to you and ask questions. Find out the options. Am I going to die? No. It's treatable? Yes. Now, if you're at a palliative stage, then you know that you have to put your house in order. It's frightening, but at the same time, you have to plan, you have to prepare. This is where you have your caregivers. This is where you have your lawyers, because 
your mind is going to be all muddled up. You do need one or two people that are going to hold your hand and say, we got this with you. This is what you need to do. Um, This is where we're going. Uh, These are the next steps that we have to be pragmatic about to get there. Cancer diagnosis is very scary. So most times you you don't even, like for me, it took me a while to actually, uh, like I say, it's easier now because um, three years have passed, but it's like yesterday, uh, I had to avoid getting it into that abyss, you know, and many people get into that abyss and, and unfortunately do not come out. I have heard of stories of people who have drank poison, you know, who have taken an overdose because they say rather than cancer kill me or chemotherapy kill me, I'll kill myself. So mental health, I'm very, very, very strong and very, very um, high. I get high on talking about mental health because I think that's what has kept me here to this time. And mental health too has to, you have to find something that will not allow you dwell on the situation. You have to. Otherwise, I tell you, when everybody's away and it's only you in the house, you are going to get very depressed. And, um, you know, that was where I now started saying, okay, I'm going to be a voice for patients. I have to find my community. It's not just about me. So I'm going to write. I'm going to start a show. I'm going to put myself out there. And it got better. That's amazing. And that really is a resilient mind, isn't it? That you're practicing through your actions, being more resilient and accepting where you are and using your experience to help other people. Yes, exactly. But one of my questions, Grace, is that quite often what I hear and what I read from from people that I know uh, is that although the physical symptoms can be you know, gone through mastectomies and other procedures, that the mind and the concern lives on. Is that true for you and true for the people you meet? It is very true. You know that um, having a mastectomy in itself, I mean, you were once a lady with two breasts, right? We all know that the world is visual, Number one, you're concerned about your relationship with your loved one or partner or spouse, right? You still have that at the back of your mind that, and you still have that sense of not being, you know, whole or not being desirable anymore, or, you know, you just find that you're not with it. I mean, your, your loved one may even has, you know, gone past that, but it will always dwell with us, you know. And um, these are things that you have to, if you don't encourage yourself, no one else will encourage you. You know, um, my husband or spouse can say, oh, you look beautiful. Well, he can say that, but I have to also tell myself I am still beautiful. And um doesn't have to be because um physically found wanting, which that's what people would say, but I still consider myself beautiful. But 
because I am beautiful. I have a beautiful mind. I have a beautiful soul. I'm a, I have a beautiful personality. So uh, I always tell people to make affirmations about who you are and where you want to be and where you want to go. Because it's it's like a daily mantra for me. I wake up in the morning, I commune with my God, and I say, I am 100% perfect today, Lord. Guide my footsteps. Beautiful. That is beautiful. And that is giving you such a great start every day, isn't it? That every day is possible and seeing the good in the day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so much, so much. I, 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 I put everything, you know, behind me because, like I say, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we say, "God, why me?" But it, it you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I made money as um a, a contractor and all that, but the the those mundane things that I used to think were oh living i see the difference i'm making much more yes i had money and i was giving it out to charities or whatever but there's nothing like being in the stew you as my mother would say being in the stew yourself and showing that there is life after cancer and letting people know that these are the steps that I took or, or I'm still taking. I'm still very, I'm still spiritual. Regardless, I didn't lose my faith in God. Many people lost their faith in their spiritual, uh, you know, whatever they, their, their, their source, let me put it that way. But I still considered myself, cons- still consider myself lucky that I am now a voice for for others and um I, I i use pragmatic steps to be able to get to where i am today and still because like i said i'm not i'm not a hundred percent there yet it takes time it takes time it does uh, are there any particular steps that you took to help you towards accepting that this was your journey um, I wouldn't say I took steps. I had to look inwards. I I had to give myself time because it's not, um, I wouldn't say, when I say accept, yes, I had to accept and that was deliberate. But the steps that I took towards my acceptance, it took some time, you know, for me to accept that this had happened to me and was I going to dwell in my despair or depression or was I going to move past that? And when you have family, because you can have your family, but my dear, when everybody's gone because everybody's running their own lives, it's up to you. You can't, your husband goes to work or your child goes to work or, you know, your families are all across the world like, like I am. I have family everywhere. Um, thank God for the phone. Thank God for Zoom, you know, that kind of thing. But by the time you turn off that computer and you cut the call, it's down to you. So you have to look inwards and tell yourself, okay, 
This has happened to me. So, like I said, I had to, by finding, by, by taking steps meant I had to get myself involved in a lot of things. I had to find a community, a cancer community, where I found online, first of all, um, where I found that so many people were, were going through the same things that I was going through. I, I ended up being more vocal than everybody on that day <laughs> because I was now bringing out topics that everybody was scared to talk about or some people were just coming together just for community sake and logging off, you know, oh, my husband is back from work. Bye, everyone. Oh, uh, the kids are here. I have to go. But I ended up really extracting those demons that you know, is is lurking or was lurking in everybody's minds and everybody was like scared to talk about that. Okay. And that was that was what actually helped. And so by the time I'd log off, I'll say, good, I've put some smiles on people's faces today. Um, I've really touched a nerve somewhere, you know? So that's that actually helped in my healing. That helped in my acceptance, you, you know. And that's um, wonderful. I think that's just wonderful when you say that, Grace, because I, I hear that from other, and I've met a lot of mm -hmm. breast cancer survivors too, who get very strong behind various campaigns. Uh, they raise money. They speak up. I, one of my friends is um, helping doctors to speak more compassionately to their patients yes. because her own experience that and I don't know if you've heard this before was quite bad it wasn't that he was a bad that he was a bad oncologist you know technically mm -hmm. but the way in which he breaks news to people was mm -hmm. less than uh, sympathetic it was very clinical she said you can't speak to people like that we, mm -hmm. we need you so she's been coaching oncologists and, an, mm -hmm. and another friend of mine has been running um every single day she runs five kilometers minimum for for cancer she's it's incredible so i i see that you and so many other women, it almost like propels you forward into taking action. Is Have I captured that? You have captured it magnificently. Yes, indeed. Port others. And I know one of the areas of great passion for you is how you can be your own advocate. Share a little bit about your thoughts around that very important topic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think like I had said earlier that during this period, I watched, you know, a close friend of mine go and others who had inaccessibility and all that. That gap gave me a sense of urgency to become my own best advocate. And I say that we have to be our own best advocates because we are the ones living with the, with the disease. We know exactly where it hurts. We know that um, the drugs given to us have negative effects. They're toxic, even though we have to take them. And at, at the onset, I always say that we have to, we shouldn't wait until there is some lingering or unexplained pain or lumps or bumps or secretions before we seek professional help. 
we we must always be proactive with our health, you know. And even when we do get professional help, it, it's it's easy for us to go see a doctor. I'm not saying doctors are, are the best. They're 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 really helping us on our journeys, and we have very fantastic doctors out there. But I always like to tell my, um, you know, patients and caregivers that I speak with is that don't allow any doctor rush you off as a statistic. You know, go there, tell them exactly what you feel mentally and physically and insist that they listen because they too are overwhelmed they have a lot of patients that they have seen before you. They have a lot of patients that they're going to see after you. But make sure that you're not just wished away or shooed away. You know, if you have been given a drug, um, for example, during chemotherapy, I take myself as, um, as, an, as an example. I had horrible side effects with um, taximophen. And taximophen is is crazy. It has the worst side effects. I came down with a very, very bad case of neuropathy. Um, I couldn't put my hands in water and my feet too, my feet and my hands. And I was having very bad itching, my palms and the soles of my feet. And I couldn't sleep for, for a long time. I, I found it difficult to sleep. So I had to be given, I had to, you know, call my doctor up in the middle of the night and say, listen, I'm having these bad reactions. What do I do? I was lucky to have very good doctors and oncologists who said, oh, don't wait until, come see us right away. And so they had to, you know, prescribe other things to be able to alleviate, you understand. A lot of other patients are not so fortunate, they have to be mandated to wait until when the next uh, appointment is, is due or is up before they now do that. Heck, the, 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 the patient is already going through so much and they're telling you that this is what they're going through. That there should be empathy to, 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 to be able to put themselves in the patient's shoes. You understand. So also what I, what I also say um, to, to other patients is that always write down what you feel. Always write down. And even if you can't write down, because I mean, one of the side effects of cancer treatment is that I was unable to write for a while. It affects the nerves in your hands. So I couldn't even recognize my signature for a long while. And I was using, I, I was signing checks with my thumb and that I had to tell my bank that I won't be signing checks with my signature. Of course, they understood what happened or I would make sure that transfers were done for people that I, you know, uh, for my responsibilities and all that. But uh, these are the, the, the side effects that you get. So even if you can't write, your, your phone is your best friend. So you can get to the doctor's office and honestly, you'll forget everything you had, you had wanted to ask him or say to him. So prior to leaving the house, I always ha have my recorder on and I record notes so that I play it in the car. By the time I get to my appointment, I, I am very strategic about what I'm going to ask my doctor or my oncologist and I, I put it out there to them. So... These are one of the ways we can be our own best advocate. 
by asking the right questions, by noting down what is going on in everything, in everything, the medicines, um, your relationships, you know, everything. Because we suffer sometimes from chemo brain. That's one of the, the, the things we suffer from and we become quite forgetful. So you have your phone, which I consider, uh, which I always say, that's your best friend, that little best friend of yours that goes everywhere. Just hit record and say whatever you want. When you get to your doctor, your oncologist, then you offload. <laughs> uh, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, Grace, because, you know, it, I say the same things to the women I work with who are going through menopause. Record everything that's happening to you, what you think, what you feel, what your experience, because you might only have 10 minutes with your physician and you sit there and you're kind of a bit dumbstruck and nothing really comes out and they're looking at the computer because that's what they do and then you've left and there's lots of things that aren't said that need to be said so you saying this makes me so happy Grace was saying the same things that this is but this is about taking you know, your own self-leadership so that you get heard, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Um, and then also when you're, it's, it's not also about what you are going to tell the doctor. As soon as he starts talking, you also hit record because you're not, you know, everything is going to be so blurred and hazy you won't even be able to understand exactly what he's saying because there's so much going on. So when he starts talking, hit record. Now, when you get home in your quiet moments on your bed, you now, you know, go back to what the doctor said and now, you know, itemize accordingly and say, oh, he asked me to do this. He asked me to do that. Okay. Because he's going to send you to other places for probably the drugs have affected your heart health, which usually happens. So, okay, he's asked me to, this is an appointment or he's asked me to do this, I'll go for an echocardiogram or something like that, you know. So these are things that your phone will help you itemize and, you know, make you remember. Yes, definitely. And I think in that way, we're helping ourselves to feel less lost, aren't we? Less in this blur of information. Because then you're also not thinking, I wonder if I missed something, or we have a lot of that mental mind racing and the extra anxiety because you're already coping, aren't we, with the with the cancer, with all that we're being treated with there. But this obviously gives us a sense of having a bit of a root map. We can go back to what he said. We can think about what we've said. And you're right, we're in, we are empowered and more in control than we might be if we just left things to chance and to our own memory, which might be weak. Yes, we're empowering ourselves. We get empowered by that. As a patient leader, what are some of the key things that you are working with at this time? Um, I'm doing so much. Um, and I don't even know where I get the strength, <laughs> frankly speaking, 
because sometimes uh, I keep saying COVID has been very, very kind, you know, because we can sit in one spot and get everything done. You know, our, our laptop is our office and we can get everything done. Uh, Pre-COVID, we would be all over the map and that could be very tiring. I'm involved in a lot of, I, I would say, four key organizations, which is the American Cancer Society, where I'm legislative ambassador. And this is where I, I lobby federal and state elected officials to increase funding for cancer prevention and research. Um, I'm providing necessary services to cancer patients because I have seen this and I felt that it was my, my way of giving back um, in honor of those that have lost their lives, especially the underserved and minority communities. So um, also a patient leader for WeGo Health. WeGo Health is a fantastic organization that empowers um, patient leaders like, like me to advocate across all boards. Um, we also reach out. Um, we, what, do, what, what I say is I cross-advocate. So it's not because... Um, uh, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I should dwell on breast cancer. No, I've gone holistic, you know, because I believe that all cancers matter. It's not just breast cancer. So I advocate for prostate. I advocate because we all know someone, a loved one, a friend or whatever that has been hit by any of the cancer um, diseases. And so I don't hold myself back in my advocacy to say, oh, I'm just going to campaign or advocate for breast cancer. No, um, I have uncles um, who ha and, and first cousins who have been hit by prostate cancer. I have good friends that have been hit by colon. So that's, that's where I am. Um, I've just been made a mentor angel at Immerman Angels. And this is an organization where they... Um, merge you, or should I say, link you up with a patient that has gone through what you have gone through and is lost. So you are the angel. So I'm a, I'm a mentor and I have a mentee that has, um, in this case, is a breast cancer patient and who has felt or who is feeling very lost at the moment. And so to get, to get her out of that that whole, I speak to her once every two weeks, um, even though we chat every day to ask how she's holding up, to let her know that, um, listen, I've been there and look look at me. I mean, um, this should give you some sense of uh, posit positivity that um, everything will be okay at the end of the day. And um, also, I'm a, um, a patient leader, a global panel leader, sorry, on Fight Cancer Global. And this, this organization is in almost 60 countries and counting. And um, we also are involved in a lot of advocacy work, too. And um, aside that, um, I have a, a platform, Cancer Convos with Grace B, which I started on my sick bed. Um, one of the things that I said, oh, I have to not dwell on myself. I have to get information out um, to others who may be going through what I am going through. So while 
having radiation and I was burnt to to tethers of my skin and everything. I lay on bed with my skin all over the place, um, drafting my scripts and doing my homework on on guests to come on my show. And that has been thriving for like about um, almost two years now. So I thank God for that. And um, yeah, a lot has been happening. And as a patient leader, my um, message is that we deserve a seat at the table. With We deserve a seat at the table. You cannot tell us what you don't know about us and give your own, make your deliberations without us being there. For pharma, for oncologists, for um, medical practitioners, everything, if you're going to be talking about us, then invite us so that with diverse patient voices, you'll be able to have the best of outcomes. Without us, the equation is not equal, is it? There's no equation at all. By you involving the patient, the patient becomes empowered. Oh, I'm allowed to talk for myself. I'm allowed to speak for myself. Pharma cannot just come out tomorrow and say, oh, this drug is, yes, um, take it three times a day, blah, blah, blah. The patient comes out to say, I took it three times a day and it was a bit too much. I I had rashes all over my body. Maybe we have to tone it down to once um, every other day. And the the pharma note sit down and goes back to the drawing board. Oh, okay. There's so many, we have a percentage of patients who have spoken negatively, who have given negative feedback about this drug. Let's take it back to why a lot of the drugs recalled. It's based on people coming out with feedback, right? So why are automobile um, companies listening to people that have had issues with airbags, for example, and recall those um, cars? And same thing cannot be done for pharma. Pharma is beginning to listen. They now know that even though it's strange for them, you know, it's it's been... It's, it's never happened before. Pharma is the big guy and who is in the driver's seat. But now they know that they have partners, yeah? uh, uh, um, patient leaders as partners. And so they, they have to listen to us and give us a seat. I love that. And I think that's the future of where this is a partnership. It's, it's the patient, as you say, it's the various physicians and it's the drugs in there. And you have like a, a three-legged stool in many ways, the vision of someone who I greatly admire, Dr. Herbert Benson at Harvard Medical School. He was putting these forward in 19, the 1990s. Now, 30 years on, we see glimmers of that becoming a reality. And, and that makes me very happy because I think he was very uh, ahead of his time. And I love that. Grace, you, you bring so much hope and positivity. And I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Clarissa. It's, it's an honor and um, a privilege to be in the space that I, I am in and to be able to um, also receive positive feedback from my community and other demographics, you know, so it means we're doing a good thing. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> 
It is. And if people want to know more about your work, is Cancer Convos the best place for people to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, um, Cancer Convos is like my nom de plume right now, you know, so you can find me Cancer Convos with Grace B. Grace B, my, my work, what should I say, my advocacy name. So Cancer Convos with Grace B on YouTube. You'll see my YouTube shows there. I'm also on Facebook, Cancer Convos with Grace B. Um, and there I have a, a very engaging community there where I also put out a lot. I'm also on Instagram, Cancer Convos with Grace B. Um, you'll see me there as well. I'm on LinkedIn as well, but under Grace Charrier, which you, which you know. And um, yes, I'm also an author. And I've written a book um, called Imposicant. Um, it's, it's a quirky, my quirky tales during my days, uh, as a cancer patient, um, being African is very funny. Um, I have a glossary at the back cause I use swear words in, in my dialect, which you'll get to know. <laughs> it's very, very funny. I'm happy that, um, you know, my friends that, uh, have, that have bought it and colleagues are like, oh, wow, now we have um, second, a second language, you know, because it is funny. But it, um, it was a trajectory of how I was hit as an African woman um, in the United States. And I compared what um, was going on with me and what could be happening to my brothers and sisters on the continent and what they lack. And I highlighted um, a lot of um, lapses in, in the African healthcare system and what we needed to do. So it's, it's, it's my story, but at the same time, I put out my, my views and opinions, um, rightfully so, and then also giving hope and positivity at the end. So if anybody is willing to have a read this Thanksgiving, go to Amazon. It's um, impossicant. Uh, it's, 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 it's a colloquial of two words together. Impossi, part of impossibility and can't, can't. So impossicant. And that was what my daughter said when I told her that I had been hit by um, breast cancer. So it was her exclamation, impossicant. It's a slang in Africa. So that, that's why she said so. So I'm on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and Smashwords, impossicant. Well, we will put those in the show notes so that people can find it. Grace, you shine a light in this dark space and we're grateful for all you do. And I'm so thankful. Thank you so much for giving your time and coming on the show and sharing wisdom and humor and the work that you do. I'm so grateful, Clarissa. Thank you so much for having me. And you too, you're doing such a fantastic job. Um, I follow you also. And um, God bless your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristensen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The, is it morning yet? Deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP.